Hey, it's Seeking Plum. If you listened to the previous episode, you may remember that I received a request to read you a couple more stories from Einstein's Dreams by Alan Lightman. So I chose a couple more of these fictional journal entries. This first is dated May 10th, 1905. It is late afternoon, and for a brief moment, the sun nestles in a snowy hollow of the Alps, fire touching ice. The long slants of light sweep from the mountains cross a restful lake, cast shadows in a town below. In many ways, it is a town of one piece and a whole. Spruce and larch and Swiss pine form a gentle border north and west, while higher up are fire lilies, purple gentians, alpine columbines. In pastures near the town graze cattle for making butter, cheese, and chocolate. A little textile mill produces silks, ribbons, cotton clothes. A church bell rings. The smell of smoked beef fills the streets and alleyways. On closer look, it is a town in many pieces. One neighborhood lives in the 15th century. Here, the stories of the rough stone houses are joined by outdoor stairs and galleries, while the upper gables gape and open to the winds. Moss grows between the stone slabs of the roofs. Another section of the village is a picture of the 18th century. Burnt red tiles lie angled on the straight-lined roofs. A church has oval windows, corbelled loggias, granite parapets. Another section holds the present with arcades lining every avenue, metal railings on the balconies, facades made of smooth sandstone. Each section of the village is fastened to a different time. On this late afternoon, in these few moments, while the sun is nestled in a snowy hollow of the Alps, a person could sit beside the lake and contemplate the texture of time. Hypothetically, time might be smooth or rough, prickly or silky, hard or soft. But in this world, the texture of time happens to be sticky. Portions of towns become stuck in some moment in history and do not get out. So too, individual people become stuck in some point of their lives and do not get free. Just now, a man in one of the houses below the mountains is talking to a friend. He's talking of his school days at the gymnasium, where certificates of excellence in mathematics and history hang on the walls. His sporting medals and trophies occupy the bookshelves. Here on a table is a photograph of him as captain of the fencing team, embraced by other young men who have since gone on to university, become engineers and bankers, gotten married. There, in the dresser, his clothes from 20 years, the fencing blouse, the tweed pants, now too close around the waist. The friend who has been trying for years to introduce the man to other friends nods courteously, struggles silently to breathe in the tiny room. In another house, a man sits alone at his table laid out for two. Ten years ago, he sat here across from his father, was unable to say that he loved him. Search through the years of his childhood for some moment of closeness. Remembered the evenings that silent man sat alone with his book, was unable to say that he loved him was unable to say that he loved him. 
The table is set with two plates, two glasses, two forks, as on that last night. The man begins to eat, cannot eat, weeps uncontrollably. He never said that he loved him. In another house, a woman looks fondly at a photograph of her son, young and smiling and bright. She writes to him at a long defunct address, imagines the happy letters back. When her son knocks at the door, she does not answer. When her son, with his puffy face and glassy eyes, calls up to her window for money, she does not hear him. When her son, with his stumbling walk, leaves notes for her, begging to see her, she throws out the notes unopened. When her son stands in the night outside her house, she goes to bed early. In the morning, she looks at his photograph, writes adoring letters to a long defunct address. A spinster sees the face of the young man who loved her in the mirror of her bedroom, on the ceiling of the bakery, on the surface of the lake, in the sky. The tragedy of this world is that no one is happy, whether stuck in a time of pain or of joy. The tragedy of this world is that everyone is alone, for a life in the past cannot be shared with the present. Each person who gets stuck in time gets stuck alone. May 14, 1905. There is a place where time stands still. Raindrops hang motionless in air. Pendulums of clocks float mid-swing. Dogs raise their muzzles in silent howls. Pedestrians are frozen on the dusty streets, their legs cocked as if held by strings. The aromas of dates, mangoes, coriander, cumin are suspended in space. As a traveler approaches this place from any direction, he moves more and more slowly. His heartbeats grow farther apart. His breathing slackens. His temperature drops. His thoughts diminish until he reaches dead center and stops. For this is the center of time. From this place, Time travels outward in concentric circles, at rest at the center, slowly picking up speed at greater diameters. Who would make pilgrimage to the center of time? Parents with children and lovers. And so, at the place where time stands still, one sees parents clutching their children in a frozen embrace that will never let go. The beautiful young daughter with blue eyes and blonde hair will never stop smiling. The smile she smiles now will never lose this soft pink glow on her cheeks, will never grow wrinkled or tired, will never get injured, will never unlearn what her parents have taught her, will never think thoughts that her parents don't know, will never know evil, will never tell her parents that she does not love them, will never leave her room with the view of the ocean, will never stop touching her parents as she does now. At the place where time stands still, one sees lovers kissing in the shadows of buildings in a frozen embrace that will never let go. 
The loved one will never take his arms from where they are now, will never give back their bracelet of memories, will never journey far from his lover, will never place himself in danger and self-sacrifice, will never fail to show his love, will never become jealous, will never fall in love with someone else, will never lose the passion of this instant in time. One must consider that these statues are illuminated by only the most feeble red light, for light is diminished almost to nothing at the center of time, its vibrations slowed to echoes in vast canyons, its intensity reduced to the faint, faint glow of fireflies. Those not quite at dead center do indeed move, but at the pace of glaciers. A brush of the hair might take a year, a kiss might take a thousand. While a smile is returned, seasons pass in the outer world. While a child is hugged, bridges rise. While a goodbye is said, cities crumble and are forgotten. And those who return to the outer world? Children grow rapidly, forget the centuries-long embrace from their parents, which to them lasted but seconds. Children become adults, live far from their parents, live in their own houses, learn ways of their own, suffer in pain, grow old. Children curse their parents for trying to hold them forever, curse time for their own wrinkled skin and hoarse voices. These now old children also want to stop time, but at another time, they want to freeze their own children at the center of time. Lovers who return find their friends are long gone. After all, lifetimes have passed. They move in a world they do not recognize. Lovers who return still embrace in the shadows of buildings, but now their embraces seem empty and alone. Soon they forget the centuries-long promises, which to them lasted only seconds. They become jealous, even among strangers, say hateful things to each other, lose passion, drift apart, grow old and alone in a world they do not know. Some say it is best not to go near the center of time. Life is a vessel of sadness, but it is noble to live life, and without time there is no life. Others disagree. They would rather have an eternity of contentment, even if that eternity were fixed and frozen, like a butterfly mounted in a case. Thanks for listening. In today's episode, you heard music from Vortex, entitled Sense of Music, from the Free Music Archive under a Creative Commons license. The details can be found in the episode description.